0: Hey Bears fans, uh, welcome once again to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two Jamokes who prattle on like a couple of old biddies about the Bears so you don't have to. Uh, welcome and we are going to attack a little bit of the schedule today and then talk about since we're starting OTAs a little bit about roster so give them the stuff
1: yeah follow us on twitter at bears underscore scat shoot us a tweet and we'll reply back and we'll probably talk about whatever you said on the podcast um and i think as tom just alluded to the biggest breaking news over the last week was the release of the bears 2022 schedule and we're not gonna sit here and go through every game because that's a pointless exercise <laughs> at this time of the year because nobody knows who's gonna be playing in half of these games and <laughs> half of these teams are gonna be really hurt and the teams we think that Certainly are Certainly the Bears don't <laughs> are gonna be bad and my favorite thing is Everybody looking through the schedule and all the Bears fans saying, oh, this week's a winnable game, and this week's a winnable game, and this week's a winnable game. And you know what? All of the fans of the opposing teams that the <laughs> Bears are playing that week are saying, they're looking and saying, oh, we're playing the Bears that week. We can win that one. <laughs> that it's so a gimme. It's a pointless exercise to go through it game by game. But when you take a look at it overall, did you have any initial reactions? I know I had just a couple.
0: So I mean, it, it's like you said. Uh, that's a that's a clear take on it. Um, one thing that immediately jumped out to me might seem kind of lame, but having the bye week at fourteen, wow, that's a long stretch. That's I tough. think I think the bye week should be in week eight, and it should be for all teams at once. However, we don't have that, but uh, still, having it fourteen is is uh, I guess the Bears have been living in the Holy Land for at least the last five years because they've been usually right around week eight.
1: I don't really recall any bye weeks being that late. I'd have to go back and look at last year's schedule. I'm sure that there were a couple that late in the season, but that is a really tough draw. And What most NFL players say about the schedule is when the schedule comes out, they look at two things. Who do they play week one, and when is the bye? (laughs) And having a bye very early or a bye very late are both not ideal, and I'm sure it's personal preference as to which players would prefer. But like you said, I think most players would like it smack dab in the middle. So tough draw, and I'd have to assume that most Bears players probably weren't very happy with the way the schedule laid out, at least in terms of when they're going to get their week off.
0: Yep. And then, uh, of course, uh, week one and week two, uh, San Francisco is a strong team. Now, I do think that who plays quarterback is a huge factor. Uh, Trey Lance getting his very first NFL start on the road, if that's the case, uh, I think RD could make him a little nervous. Um, And, you know, that could affect the, the team overall. Uh, and then, of course, having to go on the road at Lambeau in week two, we all knew that was probably coming. Um, you know, we we can look at it uh, from the perspective that, oh, well, this squad isn't related really together, and it's all new coaching staff and new management and new roster. But you know, the last uh, the simple the, the simple point is that the last coaches, the last three coaches, haven't fared that well. Uh, against uh, number 12 or number four. Um, and uh, management didn't really address that. I mean, to me, um, you have to go all the way back to when Lovey got hired and he stood at the microphone and said the first pro- first priority was to beat the Packers, which I about jumped out of my chair and did a, a cartwheel when he said that. So uh, I think polls though certainly has that kind of attitude um you know we've got to establish ourselves within the division. He's made that comment uh multiple times, and that's where that's where we have to focus that's where the team has to focus, focus on winning in our own division and then look beyond that,
1: yeah, I think so and it's easy to look at those first two weeks and think that oh, that's zero two, right? And it obviously doesn't necessarily have to play out that way. Like you said, week one against San Francisco, we'll see who their starting quarterback is. We'll see who we'll see whether or not Debo Samuel is going to be out there playing for them. And sometimes when you have an entirely new coaching staff and a new scheme and a new excited group of players that are playing for uh, new coaching staff, maybe you're able to surprise some teams early on in the season. And if it is Trey Lance, Matt Eberflus is a defensive guy. So maybe he can dial up a defensive game plan that can confuse him a little bit and Maybe he doesn't play very well in his first game on the road at Soldier Field, which you know will be a packed house for week one. And right. Week two against the Packers, same sort of thing. They're turning over a large portion of their offense, so maybe they're still figuring it out. And I think actually in week three, the Packers have a big game. I think it's against... Tampa so maybe they're looking past the Bears a little bit. And <laughs> I don't have high hopes for that because you know Rodgers just loves to stick it to the she Bears. He just loves it. So I, bastard. I think that that certainly looks like a really tough draw to start the year with those two teams particularly week two at Lambeau but coach them up and see if you can surprise them and see if you can maybe sneak out a win with one of those first two and then like i said we're not going to comment on individual games but the schedule certainly doesn't look daunting by any means there seems to be a lot of winnable games on here and it's not like last year when i remember the schedule came out and i just remember saying ooh there is some brutal there were some very rough spots there. yeah and this one doesn't read to me like that i mean obviously the bears i think are one of the worst teams in the nfl on paper so right. It's tough to say that the schedule doesn't look that bad when probably every single team around the NFL is looking at the week they play the Bears and saying that's a win. But Get stuffed. Yeah, exactly. But that is what it is, and we'll see if the Bears can surprise some teams and maybe win more games than we're expecting. I'll say this. I don't think people around the NFL expect the Bears to win very many games you can get gambling lines already for all of these games, and I think the Bears are only favored in two games right now. That sounds probably, that sounds about right. isn't very good. I think they're favored at home versus Detroit.
0: On the over-under, six and a half. Yeah,
1: and the other thing that really struck me was only three. But wasn't it
0: seven last year?
1: Yeah, it was.
0: So, I mean, you know, uh, it's about the same.
1: Yeah, and think about how bad the Bears were last year and they still won six games yeah you have in order to win five games or fewer in the NFL you have to be so bad and poorly coached or the Lions and not trying (laughs) and some combination of all of those things so I don't necessarily think that the Bears are good but you don't have to be very good to win seven or eight games so we'll see what happens the other thing that really struck me was only three nationally televised games. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a surprise. It's not many. Normally with the Bears, you pencil in five, five or six. Yep. But other than at Green Bay, Washington at home, and then at New England, the Bears are noon on Sunday for all 14 other games right now. And that can obviously change if the Bears are a little bit better than people expect. But... Yeah, normally with Chicago, you think that just the market size alone gets you five or six games, and maybe Absolutely. the NFL's learning their lesson about that, because over the past few years, anytime the Bears have been on national TV, it's been horrible, and <laughs> everybody around the country is saying, why do we have to watch another Bears game, so...
0: Well, you know, like, uh, we're, we're going to keep beating the drum, because it, it just needs to be beat. Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, you know, so if if he comes out in week 1 and starts to show some of the flashes that he showed last year I guarantee that that guy is working his butt off he's studying his butt off he's he's going to be fired up for week 1 and we're going to see we're going to see for ourselves the real competitive spirit of that player which I think is high I think it's high even amongst the NFL players. And uh if he if he comes around and he says uh he 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 brings this uh this kind of, you know, this juice to the game in week 1 and we can make some noise in that game, you'll see some games change. Cuz I mean, the Bears also are a favorite for flex.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that if the Bears are hovering around 500, which is a bit of a sidetrack, but it's never good when the hottest take that I've heard on the Bears' schedule is that, you know, they could be around 500 going into December. Yep. <laughs> like that's the furthest which, out there I've which heard stinks. anybody go. Like, Have you heard anybody s- suggest that this team is a playoff team? I I think I've seen it in a few
0: spots but it's you know it, it's it's met with a lot of uh chastising and
1: <laughs> yeah but if they are hovering around 500 and maybe have an outside shot at sneaking into one of those bottom wildcard spots you'll see some of these late games later in the season get moved at least into some higher profile spots maybe yeah. not Sunday night football but they'll be the nationally televised game on CBS it'll so get moved up to a Nationally televised game on Fox, but if they're awful, and you know, that's certainly a distinct possibility, especially in the second half of the schedule, all noon on Sunday. So, the NFL certainly isn't committing well. Being uh, at noon
0: on Sunday makes me a happy guy. That's great for me. So, um, you know, that's fine with me.
1: I'm a big fan of getting the Bears game out of the way and then getting to enjoy the NFL (laughs) after that. (laughs)
0: I mean, I I I just to me the uh, NFL football needs to be played at noon on Sunday. I just I love NFL football at noon on Sunday. Um, you know, to but you know it's all about the money, and so now we have Thursdays and Sunday nights and Monday nights, and you know it,
1: it's just it's
0: gotten all uh, way overboard, and,
1: and especially when the Bears aren't good. There's nothing worse than having to sit around all day waiting to uh, sit down at 7.30 and you just know the Bears are (laughs) going to get their ass kicked. (laughs) And sometimes they give you a little bit of hope through the first quarter, but you just know that at some point the better team is going to win and it's just going to ruin your day. And then you had to wait up all day. For that game and you're up later than you want to be so you're gonna be tired the next day and in a bad mood so noon on sunday is totally fine for me from a viewing perspective although i think it probably is indicative that the uh, nfl schedulers don't really think the bears are going to be very good or very entertaining so well uh, what yeah, else is new <laughs> and so <laughs> so
0: uh, that's, uh, so you did say one thing there that um, I hope. I, I do hope they're entertaining. And I believe that they can be entertaining. I believe that they can be competitive. I believe that they can stretch a lot of these games to the last two minutes. They did it last year. You know, we do need to remember that there was a couple of games there that Justin Fields put us in a position to win, and the defense lost the game. So, uh, you know... That, that certainly can happen again. I also like the fact that he did get a fair amount of playtime last year. He did get some experience. I, I think that's going to be a, a, a big help for him. You know, we're talking about Trey Lance. That could be very well his first start.
1: Um, he didn't get hardly any playtime last year. None. You know? And and they were as far as I know, they were all trick plays. Yeah. Or one snap and then he's out. I don't think he ever unless I'm mistaken was out there for an extended period of time in San Francisco. Unless I'm misremembering, which I could be. I didn't watch every 49ers game. Right. He's certainly got less experience than Fields and that means that it's 2 years in a row for him of basically not playing at all because he sat out 2020 at North Dakota State. So Yep. We'll see and he might be terrible if it, I don't think so, because if he is terrible, I don't think they'd be actively trading Jimmy Garoppolo, who's at least serviceable. Yeah. But it seems like they're going that direction, so that leads me to believe that Kyle Shanahan believes in Trey Lance, and we'll see, though. It's always something when you have rookie quarterbacks out there, and it always gives you at least some opportunity that maybe you can dial up some something on defense that'll confuse them. So yeah. We'll get more into that as we approach the season. That's really all I had on the schedule. And now with off-season workouts starting today, I believe, OTAs, uh, we've got a Chicago Tribune article from Colleen Kane that we wanted to go through.
0: Yeah, well, she did a really nice overview of the roster uh, starting with the OTAs. And, I mean, of course, your first spot to start is, and we won't really take much time with it, is just quarterback. Uh, right now you have Justin Fields, Trevor Simeon, and Nathan Peterman. Yeah.
1: Did we talk about Peterman last week? I can't, <laughs> I not remember.
0: So I, I don't remember whether we touched on him. I mean, he's a camp body. Yeah. Most likely they'll only have two quarterbacks on the roster. Um, he'll, maybe he'll end up on the practice squad. Uh, they got rid of Dalton Foles and Ryan Willis. Uh, Ryan Willis was on the practice squad, so who knows? Maybe Peterman gets uh, tossed to the side, and they bring Willis. Up. <laughs> is he better but, than Tyler Bray? <laughs> you know, I, I, boy, I, I, you know, I think so. I think <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I think so. You know, Peterman at least uh, does have uh, some genuine NFL experience. Um, you know, having uh, three quarterbacks all with NFL experience uh, is a, is a nice thing. So, um, as a third string guy, I don't mind it. I just don't want him to be, you know, starting. The, obviously, the
1: hope is neither Simeon or Peterman play.
0: Right, and 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 in all scenarios other than probably injury, uh, I think that I think that number one will be out there taking every snap. At least that's
1: what I'm hoping. That for. has to be the goal, right? Because we'll get to the rest of this roster, but if you've got Trevor Simeon out there. That's a loss, right? With this team, right?
0: So, wide receivers was next. Uh, we have twelve wide wide receivers right now. Uh, the only key returner, Darnell Mooney. Notable additions: Byron Pringle, Valus Jones, Tajay Sharp, Dante Pettis, David Moore, and Equanimius. Who names their kid Equinemius? <laughs> that, that, that is an interesting name. I haven't heard that one before, but I like it. Um, also on the roster: Isaiah Coulter, Daz Newsom. I I liked the I liked the get from Daz Newsom. In okay. uh, Simba Webster, Chris Fink, and Kevin Shaw. And then departures was Alan Robinson, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird, and Jaqueem Grant. All those guys don't let the door hit you in the you know where yeah. the Lord split? <laughs> yeah,
1: um, certainly not an inspiring group.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess that. I guess, and you know, fans, we get it. We're just as pissed at you as you that there wasn't a more significant uh, addition. Um, I think we all wanted to see that. You know, we all just saw that uh, Jarvis Landry signed. Um, oh, who did he sign with? Uh, with New Orleans. Oh, okay. So, you know, but. There, I believe that there is a method to Paul's madness, Um, and I do think that some of these guys have uh, opportunities to be instant impact. You know, there's uh, the the people though that keeps uh, talking about Robinson gone. Robinson was gone last year. Yeah. You know, it's worth repeating that Byron Pringle had a better season last
1: year than Robinson did. Didn't Marquise Goodwin? (laughs) robinson was basically a no-show and who we you know and at least part of that was because it it didn't seem like he was invested because he was on the franchise tag and we've gone through that a bunch i don't i don't feel like talking about him anymore but understanding he is no longer on the roster but to your point, he didn't give you anything last year.
0: Yeah, and and that's the only point I'm making. Is just because you know I keep hearing it's like, it's like you I, I'm I'm tired of hearing his name. You know he what he wasn't a factor. This is a what have you done for me league. Uh, what have you done for me lately league? And you know he, he's gone.
1: And I'm sure he's going to be really good this year with the Rams. Yeah, which probably will is be going to suck for Bears fans, but if he didn't want to be here and if they didn't want him then you can't be mad if he goes somewhere else and and it
0: wasn't well. this group it no. wasn't this group of people that did that um, you know the people that did that that did that the mistreatment if there if if there was they're gone yeah. so but um yeah i i actually i liked the pringle pickup i liked the Valus jones pickup what was he the best receiver to take at that spot I don't know. I mean, I've certainly heard some criticism um, about it. All I know is that he can come in and make an instant impact.
1: And I don't think you need to think of him as a prototypical receiver. Right? He's going to be, if I had to guess, I think you'll see him doing a lot of the things that you saw Cordero Patterson doing in Atlanta last year, which is playing sort of a hybrid wide receiver running back tight end role and just looking for opportunities to get him the ball in space and allowing him to try to make defenders miss. So I don't think that he's, I don't think that the plan for him is line him up on the outside every time and have him run a traditional route tree. I think that he's going to be a, call it gadget player, call it hybrid player, call it whatever you want, but they're going to be trying to get him involved in the offense in creative ways.
0: Yeah, and you know, and you already have a spot for him right off the right off the bat as kick returner and punt returner. Yep. Um, but if you watch video of him last year, the video doesn't lie. It, it shows you his on-field speed. Watches him outrun players, right? And this is in the SEC. So, you know, he wasn't playing at Ashland. Yeah. You know, so uh, we've seen that. The guy was uh, a special teams player of the year in the Pac-10 and in the SEC. That doesn't happen by accident. This guy has some skills. Yeah. So, it, it, it just don't toss him away. We understand. I certainly recognize that there was other guys that that they could have taken there. Um, and we'll, we'll see how this plays out, but, and also I still think that that spot is in, uh, that, that group of people is in motion. Uh, there's nothing set in stone about it. I think we could see something, uh, off the free agents that are still available. Will Fuller is still available. You know, as long as that guy doesn't hurt himself going over to Chicago, Um, you know, uh, or we could also see, you know, maybe a veteran, uh, you know, gets released during OTAs. So, you know, there, there's or training camp.
1: Yeah. I think the only players that you can confidently say are going to be on the team at receiver right now are Mooney, Pringle and Jones. Yeah. Other than that, I think that It's going to be some combination of the people that you just listed off plus probably one other veteran signing. Absolutely. And people are fired up over Equinemius St. Brown, but I think that's just because they've heard of him from the Packers. I, I think if he had played for the Seahawks or the Chargers and the Bears had signed him, nobody would care. And it's just another guy that might make the roster and might not. I'll say this about him. He's fast, yeah. and he has a relationship with the offensive coordinator. So, and, Oh, he's fast and big. And so there should be some traits there that the Bears are interested in. And who knows? Maybe a change of scenery, and maybe just Aaron Rodgers didn't like him. And I'm not even joking when I say that, because one thing that Rodgers has had a reputation for is freezing out receivers when he doesn't right. trust them. So who knows? We'll find out. Maybe he'll be a surprise. Like you said, I still don't think they're done. There's going to be receivers that get cut from other teams. There's going to be potential free agent signings that are still available to them. I don't think that they're going to get anybody that excites us as Bears fans, unless they trade a high pick next year for Debo Samuel or another player that is disgruntled. But, you know, it might not be as bad as we think at wide receiver, and I think... It's probably going to be better than last year, even. Well, and if
0: you don't have the, the high-quality guys, you get the high quantity. Yeah. Right? And that's what he's done here, you know. Um, there is some good veteran competition here. There's, uh, there's competition that was already on the roster, so they do have a little bit of NFL experience. And, you know, uh, there's new guys. So it's, it's a good mix. Um, I still I liked the Daz Newsom pickup last year. I was bummed because just like all the rest of the uh, the the guys that you know have potential, most of them sat yeah. until the very last weeks did, of the season. Did Newsome so, ever
1: get on the field? I,
0: I think yeah. I remember. I recall him. I think he maybe only got off for like two plays. Yeah,
1: probably in that Vikings game, maybe when half the team had COVID or something. (laughs) I think he was on the field for that one. But I liked him, too, a little bit. So, I'll say this. Whoever wants to step up, there's opportunities available. Because I think Mooney is a nice player. I think Pringle's a nice player. Jones, we just talked about a little bit. And... I don't think that he'll be a prominent wide receiver in the traditional sense, but he'll be on the field. So there's two or three spots available to receivers that uh, have an opportunity that can potentially step in here and earn themselves a nice payday if they play well. So it's not a group that anybody's going to get excited about and... I'm not going to try to polish it too much because I think it's probably one of the two or three worst receiving groups in the NFL. Right. But maybe there's some guys in there that can surprise us and At this point, yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah
0: and you know, it, it that's that's the way it is, but you know, guys, don't forget we're not the only ones in this in this position right now. There's a lot of really there's a lot of teams that have pretty poor uh, lineups
1: at at receiver. One notable one that I think is actually worse than the Bears is up in Green Bay. Yeah, theirs isn't any
0: better than ours.
1: Obviously, they have Aaron Rodgers. So (laughs) I'm sure they'll still have a very, very good offense. But like you said, the Bears aren't alone here. I think the Bears are probably one of the worst. But they're not the worst, at least not noticeably. And the idea, obviously, is that next year... They'll have a lot of money to spend, and they'll probably have a pretty high draft pick. So if nothing else, maybe one or two of these guys can emerge as somebody that is worth keeping around going forward, and then next year you invest in the big money guys or the high draft pick at receiver, and then it's all systems go.
0: Right. Okay, so running backs, six. So key returners, Montgomery and Herbert. Uh, Notable additions, Tristan Ebner, Darrington Evans, Kari Blazingame, who's the... New fullback. Uh, I um, really like our our top two running backs. I like them both. Uh, I do hope that we keep uh, David Montgomery. We'll have to see how that works out. It's probably just going to come down to the amount of money he wants versus what the team is willing to play. I think that the Tristan Ebner pick was a sneaky good pick. Um, He's uh, one of the most accomplished receivers out of the backfield that came out of college this year. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, he had 4,542 all-purpose yards in his career at Baylor. That's pretty good, right? So, um, you know, he was a sixth-round pick, and he has experience as returner, too. So, we have two new kick returner, punt returner guys. Um, I-, I love multifaceted guys, and pole certainly
1: does. Yeah, and I think the fact that the Bears have a fullback gives you an idea of the style of game that they're planning to play this year. They're going to be running the ball a lot because the team's not very good and you want to eat up clock and try to keep the other team's offense off the field. And therefore, I think the fact that they have two, three running backs plus a fullback is... Certainly going to be a big part of their strategy. I think we'll see a lot of low-scoring games that the Bears are trying to play, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Am I making something up with David Montgomery? When he came out of college, wasn't he thought of as a really strong receiver out of the backfield?
0: no, i I thought he was more um i I thought he demonstrated talent when he was at Iowa State, but i I didn't think
1: he got utilized that much okay, I, that that way. I, I seem to remember that, and I remember even in his first game, I remember Mitch just ripped a ball to him up the seam and he made a great catch on it. And everyone was thinking, well, there's no way Jordan Howard would have ever gotten that. Yeah. And we've just never
0: seen the well, Bears... Well, that, and that was the, that was true. So Jordan they, Howard was terrible at catching
1: yeah, the Yeah, so maybe he was just field. better than Jordan Howard. Maybe not good, but... Uh, we, Herbert
0: is definitely good. Yeah. We've, we've already seen that.
1: Yeah, so I was wondering, like, could that potentially be a way that the Bears can supplement the fact that they don't have a lot of great wide receivers? Is when I they, think... Utilize your backs. See, and
0: I, and I think that's what... That's why they brought Ebner in. Yeah. Because you can put you can do a two-back set, and he's going to be great catching the ball out of the backfield. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, the departures were Damian Williams and, and Tariq Cohen. Damian Williams was a nice fill-in for, you know, one year, but I don't think uh, in any case he was going to stay. Um, I, we do want to stop and talk about Tariq yeah. Cohen for a moment. Um, first, I'll say uh I had no idea that Cohen's life had that much tragedy in it um he has uh had a life uh that is rough by any measure um and the fact that he persevered through that is uh it shows the kind of man that he is and um I thought he was a, I thought he was a great player for us it's just that his time ran out in Chicago And I certainly hope he catches on with another team and becomes a player
1: again. Well, yeah, and so what Tom is talking about, for those of you that don't know, is the Tariq Cohen article that he wrote in the Players' Tribune. And it's an incredibly well-written piece, and it's structured as a letter to his young self from himself. And as Tom talks about it, goes through some just tragic details about his life and the death of his siblings and the hardships that he's had to endure to get to the NFL and there's no way that I am able to do that part of the story justice so my advice would just be to read it yourself because it's a incredibly heart-wrenching piece but also included in there is some of the football things that he was going through, and he reveals that the reason that he never came back from the injury that the Bears reported as a torn ACL was because the injury was way worse than that. Yeah. And. It was a torn ACL, torn MCL, I think, and yep. then a broken knee, basically. Yeah. So, effectively, a career-ending injury that the Bears just said, oh, torn ACL, which made everybody think they'll be back in a year. Yeah. And he never came back. And last year, a lot of people were questioning why. And it was mysterious as to whether something went wrong with the surgery or whether he didn't want to come back for whatever reason those were all rumors that were going out there and now we know that it was just the fact that the injury was way worse than what was ever reported and he talks about that in his article as well as being something that subjected him to criticism from the fans and people going after him on social media which if you're going after an NFL player on social media for not being tough enough you're you're an idiot right I mean yeah if you're tweeting at somebody that plays professional football and telling them that they're not tough, come on, <laughs> like I, I I can't even imagine. where... He
0: made it to the NFL at five foot six. Yeah, exactly. shut
1: shut your face. Like I, all you have to do is go to an NFL game and sit down close and see how hard those guys hit each other. And the fact that anybody's able to get up from those collisions, let alone somebody from his, his that is his size, just is. Uh, testament to how tough those players are, but I couldn't believe that the Bears never reported anything about how significant that injury was and they just let all of that sit out there for over a year. It yeah, just made no sense. Th- think about who we're talking about. Yeah, I know.
0: Pace. That, that is exactly
1: what Pace does. Well, and, and I won't even put it all on Ryan Pace. It's just the, the Bears. The Bears have notoriously been terrible notoriously terrible at caring about public relations and image and all that and we They're went, infamous for it. Yeah, we went through that last year where we spent half an episode complaining about how poorly they handled the Matt Nagy situation leading up to that game. If in you Detroit. if you
0: want to be if you want to remember turn on the Wayback Machine to Mike Brown. Yeah. I mean that frustrated us all and and no no, no Bears fans that I know said, oh, Mike Brown is a lazy player, and that's not why That's why he's coming back. They knew that it must be that the injuries were worse than they were letting on. And I remember for a while, it was, oh, well, it's week to week. Yeah. You know, and it was like the whole
1: year went by week to week. Yeah, and it's just, there's nothing to be gained from that level of secrecy. All you do is make the player look bad, so... And you don't even need some big press release. All you have to do is just have somebody on the football side call Schefter or Rappaport and just say, hey, off the record, here's what's going on with this guy. And then it takes all of that away. And it's frustrating because things like that matter when we talk about potential free agents. Because now if anybody asks Tariq Cohen, hey, like, why couldn't the Bears have done you a solid there? and just said the facts about what your injury actually was right so that it didn't look like you were not playing for any other reason it, it makes no sense to me why you but wouldn't do you that you know
0: what deeper than that if if you spend your time going on social media to be critical of someone that you know nothing about that's your hobby like I said, get a light. Yeah. And... What is your problem, moron? I mean, seriously. It was. I remember uh, back when Grossman was playing for the Bears, and his dad made a public statement about his family getting death threats, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "What kind of psycho do you have to be to to take it to that level?" Yeah. <laughs> You know, are you stupid or something? I mean, seriously, that was just like, that is ridiculous. These guys are paid to do an entertaining job. If you're that invested in it, you really, take up up knitting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And underwater basket weaving. I don't know. Just, I mean, you're way too into it, dude.
1: Yeah, and this article is just another example of, we know, almost zero percent of what is going on with these players at any given time whether that's yeah like one percent yeah like whether that's their personal (laughs) lives or their injury status or anything else just take a minute before you tweet anything at a player just first of all just don't do it in general unless it's something positive yeah stay off twitter and don't do that but just read this article and let it be a reminder that as we watch these players and as we talk about them, there's always things going on behind the scenes. And the, the Tariq Cohen story is really heartbreaking when you read it. And then it's you... a
0: great essay. We both highly recommend that you go read it. Um, and all, kudos to all the fans that were like, you know, that uh, when he left, you know, they, they sent well wishes or after the essay came out, they sent well wishes. Uh, you know as a Bears fan I loved Cohen playing for us I thought he was a really interesting pick when we when we first made it um and uh you know he ended up uh blowing people away uh, he, he just had an unfortunate uh injury and you know that was it uh, you know it wasn't any more than that um but uh that guy has uh persevered and I think that he'll still be back on the football field I
1: hope so and we'll, I'll be rooting for him. Um, it's too bad that he ended up ending his career here the way that he did. But one silver lining, at least for him, was that he signed a contract extension before he got hurt. So at, yeah. least, at least he got his money. So. He got
0: paid. And that's all I have to say about that.
1: <laughs> all right, so now back to breaking down the rods.
0: So, uh, tight end. Key returner, Cole Komet. Kudos to Cole Komet for... Uh, It sounds like he dropped some body weight, got stronger, Uh, going to uh, hang out with uh, Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields and work out with them privately. Love to see that kind of spirit from a player. Notable additions, Ryan Griffin and James O'Shaughnessy. Also on the roster, Rice and John, Chase Allen, and Jake Tongs. Major departures. Jimmy, get the hell out of here. Never want to see you again, Graham. Uh, (laughs) I shouldn't say that that's terrible (laughs) Um, but uh, I mean it wasn't Graham's fault that they that Pace gave him all that money Um, laughing all the way to the bank you know what actually kudos to Jimmy Graham Uh, he was one of the finalists for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award last year really yeah I, I guess he does a lot of philanthropic things oh, good. um uh, some uh, his i think were involved with uh maybe with um uh military last year uh jesse james uh actually i would have i would have kind of liked jesse James to stay around i don't know why
1: they didn't want to bring he's, him back but he's, sorry he's gone that's a departure yeah he's oh, a
0: departure okay. j p holtz also a departure and it does have jesper Horstead listed as a departure but the way I understand it is that they um uh, he got uh, hurt, and then he failed a physical. But he's, I don't think he's totally gone from the team. I think team. he's
1: on the team. He's got some weird designation. Yeah, weird
0: yeah. designation to him. So
1: I wouldn't expect him out there.
0: I mean, you know, uh, it's all about Komet, right? Uh, I mean, that's really what uh, this position is. It's all about Komet. Everybody wants to see uh, this guy take it up another notch. Uh, he's still a very young player. He did step up his game last year. Uh, we we I think it was about mid season we stopped calling him Cole Shaheen and, uh, <laughs> and 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 I think that he I think he's going to be a solid outlet for for number one I think we're going to see him uh, go for some first downs this
1: year I, I think so I, I think he's obviously the starter so hopefully he continues to develop. He doesn't look athletic enough to me to think that he's ever going to be one of the top-tier tight ends in the NFL, but hopefully he can still be pretty good. I I think that's still on the table for him, especially if he builds uh, a rapport with Justin Fields and continues to embrace his starting spot. The other two guys that you mentioned, Griffin and O'Shaughnessy, both primarily blocking tight ends, so... Two more guys that the Bears signed that make me think they're going to be running the ball a lot. And more power to them there. I don't think that either of those guys is anything to really get excited about in the receiving game.
0: Griffin is a, um, a red zone target, though. Uh, he's a 10-year veteran, but he has 14 touchdowns and, in his career. Where
1: did he play last year? Was he on the Saints? Um, Ryan Griffin?
0: But, you know, I think I, you're right. Both those guys are brought in as, you know, primarily blockers. Uh, Griffin does have a little bit of receiving skills there. I played for the Jets, so he's Um,
1: used to dysfunction.
0: (laughs) Right, and, you know, um, we'll probably see some shuffling there Uh, at the tight end position anyway.
1: This poor guy. He's been in the league for ten years. That looks like six with the Texans, three with the Jets, and now the the Bears. Talk (laughs) about... uh, (laughs) bad string of luck but yeah i think that tight end is another place where i wouldn't even be surprised if they add another player that is a little bit more of a receiving threat right um and because you need four usually yep you might even need five in most cases in case a guy goes down and commit will obviously be the focus in the receiving game i think the two blocking Focused tight ends are there to assist in the running game, and like you said, maybe get some targets down in the red zone, maybe be there for some hot routes or some quick releases. We don't really know necessarily what or who uh, Luke Getze is going to fall in love with from a play-calling perspective, right? Right. He's going to have a lot of options as we work through these OTAs and preseason to find guys that really fit his scheme and that he really likes. And there's a lot of guys here uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at tight end. And as we've already gone through with receiver, if they add a couple more, so it'll be fun to see it all play out and we'll see who ends up being a big part of this offense and who, Ends up not even making the team in some cases. So yeah, yeah and we
0: so. we know that's we know that's coming. Um, offensive linemen, they have fifteen right oh, now. Oh uh, again, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like receiver. Uh, I'm I'm going to bring in. Uh, we know we have a huge hole here, so I'm going to bring a massive amount of guys in. That's what you know. Uh, he doesn't have the opportunity to bring in a a whole bunch of high paying talent. Uh, we didn't have the draft picks to to do that either. Um, and so he's just trying to address it as best he can. Returners, uh, Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, and Sam Mustapher. Uh Notable additions, Lucas Patrick, Braxton Jones, Zachary Thomas, Doug Kramer, Jatire Carter, Dakota Dozier, and Julian Davenport. Also on the roster, Lachavius. Simmons. Oh, he's still here? Oh, he is still here. He uh, won't be here for long. (laughs) No, actually, Poles made it. I thought that was interesting. He made a point of keeping them. Dieter Isolin was also on the team last year. John DeLance and Willie Wright, whoever those guys are. And then, uh, major departures. James Daniels, Jason Peters, Jermaine Afidi, Elijah Wilkinson and Alex bars so um you know that uh, I'll just uh, uh, you and I both liked it and I'm gonna call out kudos once again to Jason Peters for coming off the couch and actually having a pretty damn solid year uh with with the
1: line I thought that when
0: I the more I think about that the more amazed I am
1: by it <laughs> yeah it was a situation with him where everybody made fun of the signing and Everybody was laughing at Jason Peters for the first couple weeks of the season because he looked old and big and out of shape, and he ended up being arguably their best offensive lineman. So credit to him, like you said, and he wasn't good by any means. He was okay, and he played the part. I and,
0: just, I mean, we both thought he played well for what he, what he had to work with.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was very competent. Yeah, and that was something that I didn't even think was on the table. When I mean, he was him. on a
0: line that didn't, you know, half, half the line was new, didn't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, you know, the the the, the team was in, uh, pretty much in shambles right from the start. He, he got called up week one. What? On, <laughs> Wasn't it 2 days before the game that he came?
1: Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it, he wasn't here long and then he was starting at left tackle for the Chicago Bears week 1. So, and a, uh, a lot of it too if if we were think about some of the really bad moments from a couple of guys that we just talked about, whether it's Peters, the the bad moments from Peters stood out to me was when the Cleveland game when he was one-on-one constantly with Miles Garrett. Not, yeah. not a fair matchup. Yeah. A guy I was just poking some fun at, Lechavia Simmons, his worst moments of the season were the Tampa Bay game. Wow. Constantly one-on-one with Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, two pro bowlers. So. Both
0: of those incidents. I don't blame the player. Kiss my grits, Matt Nagy. You did that.
1: Exactly. You're, you're putting guys in matchups where they're not going to be successful because... Jason Peters at that point in his career, Lechavius Simmons. No matter how hard they try, they're not as talented as those guys. Right, so give them some help. Right. So I think with Peters is obviously gone, but with Simmons, maybe he'll get a fair shot with this new coaching staff that's not as dumb. That'll be good. But my this is my biggest concern with the team right now, I think, is just the list of names that you just read off. Offensive line. So <laughs> there's two guys in there. I think that you can feel okay about Cody Whitehair and Patrick. Yep. Tevin Jenkins. High, Those
0: are your proven. Yeah.
1: Tevin Jenkins, high draft pick, and showed some flashes last year.
0: borum showed some Larry flashes. Borum played and he, okay,
1: and he played a pretty fair amount. Yeah, he did. Um, so I, I think. Best case scenario, you hope that those four guys are starting for you. And one of the other ten names you listed off steps up in training camp and fills that fifth spot. Obviously, we know you need more than five. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be players that perform poorly. So the hope is that if you throw enough guys in there that you can find seven or eight of them that over the course of the season can give you NFL-level production, but man, this this offensive line also has the potential to be real bad.
0: Well, and you know, that that fifth spot, which is the right guard spot, um, well, we don't know that yet, do we? Uh, We don't know where that hole is going to be, but you do have uh, several uh, several different players, uh, both that are rookie uh, acquisitions and some that were on the roster already and some that are just brought in to work with again, just like receiver, um, you, you have a mix to work with, right? So to me, the way I look at this is what we're going to see is polls is testing himself, uh, and the the management and then the coaches, right? What can you do with these guys? I, I, I know what I'm giving you isn't the top shelf, uh, but I'm going to give you a whole lot of it. And, you know, your job as a head coach is to figure out which ones are worth keeping, uh, which ones are starting, which ones are worth keeping, which ones, you know, do you put on the back burner, put them on the practice squad? And I think you got a, you know, a, a, a pretty good picture here. Some of these rookies, though, are very promising, you know, especially... Um, uh, you know, when you're looking at Doug Kramer is that center from Illinois had 47 starts at Illinois. One Um, one of
1: my buddies, Mitch, if he's listening, texted me and said that pick sounds like Roberto Garza. (laughs) It was man. We can only be that fortunate. Yeah. And Roberto Garza was undrafted. So you can find offensive linemen that are competent in late rounds. Yeah. Roberto Uh, Garza was more than competent. He was pretty good.
0: uh, He was, he was a, Great for Bears players, he was a really a pretty great lineman. Because yeah. uh, I mean, we don't have the best luck at lineman, yeah. but but I mean, so if you look at it that way, um, and then you got a couple of other guys in J- Jatire Carter uh, and Braxton Jones who both uh, have some of that uh, tackle aspect. I think Zachary Thomas is a tackle. Those guys, you know,
1: it's easier to convert them from tackle into guard than guard out to tackle. So, And Braxton Jones is an interesting one because he went to college at Southern Utah, I think. No, yeah, yeah, yeah so Southern Utah, small yeah. Small school, not in the Power 5, I think only played one Power 5 team in college. And so, obviously, unproven from that standpoint, but his traits are off the charts his physique is what got him into camp yeah so the uh, the athleticism that he has is something 36 inch arms yeah it's exactly what you look for and so now the challenge to the coaching staff is take that guy who's got a ton of raw talent and has all of the athletic qualities that you want and make him an NFL offensive lineman and so that might not be somebody that you see starting week 1 but maybe by the end of the season, once he's had a chance to go through a year's worth of NFL practices, maybe you see him out there and starting at left tackle. And, you know, Poles is an offensive line guy. So he. Wouldn't have picked these guys without seeing something in them. So is Cunningham, yeah, and, and they're they were both. You know, they were both starting linemen. Absolutely, and, and they're not all going to pan out. Most of them probably won't pan out, but most of them probably won't. Hopefully, two or three of them do. And but I'll
0: tell you what, you got to feel at least a, a more confident in the in the
1: selections by them than the previous regime. At least well, the previous regime didn't pick offensive linemen. <laughs> that will never make any sense to me. I mean, Pace took. His big acquisition was Bobby Massey. Yeah, he took a couple at the start, but then just the draft picks were Lachavia Simmons and uh, Arlington Hambright. And, <laughs> you know who this is completely. Oh, but, wait. Um, Tajo Falulala. Oh, man. That guy was really big, too. He was huge. Hopefully Braxton Jones is better than him, because he wasn't very good. No. You know who Lucas Patrick reminds me of? And this is related to nothing important, but (laughs) (laughs) remember when the Bears signed Chris Spencer? Oh, yeah! And the Bears' offensive line was horrible, (laughs) and the team wasn't very good, and we're all like, oh, yeah, Chris Spencer, that guy is okay. (laughs) And... Everybody came in and were like, Chris Spencer, <laughs> that is, guy is. <laughs> this is like replacement level offensive lineman, but everybody was so excited because it was better than what we had, and he played a lot of games for the Bears, and he was fine, and then he left, and that's the vibe I'm getting from Lucas Patrick, <laughs> because everybody keeps talking about him and how he's going to make the offensive line so much better, and he seems like a perfectly fine player, but... He's not a pro bowler. No,
0: he doesn't and and he doesn't strike me. It's it, it's what you were just saying though. It, when you look at what was there, yeah. It's an upgrade.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: he's definitely an upgrade over uh Sam Mustapher, yeah, right? So, uh, and he's versatile. He could play three different positions. We we've that's one of the things that is very blatant when you look at this roster. Lots of players that play lots of positions, right? Um, a lot of athletic talent that maybe is raw. Yeah, uh, that you know we we see that uh, time and again on, on this on this list, and you know it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, it, you know that, that's what we're starting with. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you want a guy just to plug in, Dakota Dozier, that's what he does, right? Yeah. He's a plug-in guy, but they didn't go get that guy to you know to.
1: Uh, invest in him. No. He,
0: he's just a he's a in, in case we need break glass. Yeah, right? Dakota
1: Dozier is guy that is your eighth offensive lineman that hopefully is inactive most of the game. Right, right. He's just there, like you said, in case two or three guys go down. I think you'll. Hey, get...
0: you know, it, it's it, it, when you look at this though. One of the people that I hated right from the beginning <laughs> was Jermaine thought <laughs> That guy was an awful acquisition. And he was. <laughs> and he was. The year we got him was just after the Seahawks were like, uh, yeah, get the. Just go away. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go away, man.
1: Hey, he's. Just, just he's, go. Away. Ryan Pace brought him to Atlanta. Have you seen, by the way, there's like 12 X Bears on the Falcons right
0: now? <laughs> oh my
1: God. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's Bears. It's, it's new Bears versus old Bears. I mean, they just signed like two or three more. They signed. Quitkowski. Uh, and it's it's all over the team. It's oh, yeah. it's in
0: management. It's in coaching. Yeah, they have pace. They have
1: pace and Phil Emery too. Yeah, it's
0: it, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be old bears versus new bears. I mean, that that's game. that
1: team's tanking too. I mean, oh, they they are trying to get the first overall pick in the draft, and they really? might they want one of those quarterbacks. That's a really bad roster, and I think their quarterback is Marcus Mariota. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. So, who
0: who was who was bad? But now they're hoping is going to be good because he's done nothing since then. So he's going to be good, right? Or they're hoping he's
1: or they're hoping he's bad. But that's besides the point. The Bears play the Falcons this year, so that'll be that could be a fun one because there's like twenty X Bears on that roster. But yeah, I think going back to the offensive line situation. I think you can figure out center and guard with the players that are here. I think right. you, you've got Whitehair, you've got Patrick, you've got Mustafer, you've got all these draft picks. I think you'll be able to find players, some combination of three, that can play center and the two guard positions competently. My, my concern is the tackles, and hopefully Jenkins is the right tackle of the future. That's, I think he is. I, I hope so. That's where everybody projected him as in the draft. Left tackle... It is obviously not ideal to be the weakest spot in the line but maybe with Fields athleticism you can find some ways to mitigate that you can move the pocket and get him rolling out to the right so maybe if you just have a below average left tackle it'll be okay but that's
0: the way the bears have been for 20 years
1: it's going to be something to watch because the offensive line That's
0: why you know that's why Leno lasted so long you know I mean Leno is competent and he And he always plays, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think at any point during his career, he he was a Pro Bowl player one year. I
1: think so. I think
0: he was an alternate. I think it was the 18th season. Um, But, I mean, genuinely, he's a a, a, a B-plus,
1: right? Yeah, and, and truth be told, I bet the Bears don't even know what their starting offensive line is going to look like at this point. Hole said that the other day. You, you can't evaluate offensive linemen until you've got pads on. So I'm sure they have an idea of who they want to start, and I'm sure they have plan A, B, and C. But it might end up looking completely different than that because some of these guys are going to get hurt in camp, and some of them are going to be worse than expected. And so. let's not
0: and let's not forget that we tried to snag a player from Buffalo. Yeah. It's just that you know, uh, they Buffalo had to pay. A pretty fair price to keep him so you know they made a real genuine offer uh you know the everything i read said that the bills were not likely to match it um who knows maybe they saw polls wanting to take him and said hey you know what i guess maybe we should take keep this guy around
1: so, yeah yeah you would think so and like you said when the bears submitted that offer sheet on was this ryan bates yeah
0: i think that's right that
1: sounds right A lot of people around the league said, yeah, the Bills aren't going to be able to pay that amount of money for that position, so people were kind of already assuming he was going to end up on the Bears, and he was going to be one of your starting offensive linemen, and Buffalo decided to match, unfortunately, for the Bears, and we'll see how that works out for them, but yeah, that set them back in the offseason, because now that spot's probably going to one of these rookies, or... Potentially Sam Mustafer if he's able to make the team, which I'm not sure that he will, but we'll find out.
0: So what we're really talking about here, fans, is there's like five guys on the entire offense that we know will actually be playing for the team. If that. <laughs> but um, uh, but I, I, I'm still excited to see what happens uh, at OTAs. Uh, we'll check out uh, the defense uh, next week. We probably will have some updates at that point, and uh, you know, let's not forget training camp is really not that far away, right? We're halfway through May. Training camp is at the end of July.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna get here before we know it, and we can kind of see the roster coming together, which is fun when you've just turned over the regime and there's a whole lot of spots to fill. The Bears have been doing that, and I think. A lot of people are underwhelmed and I would maybe count myself in that category a little bit, but they've still got some time and it is fun to go through these different hypotheticals and to think about maybe which players you can start getting excited about, maybe overachieving because it'll all be horrible sooner rather than later (laughs) with the Bears. It it always is and everything we're talking about now probably will pan out worse (laughs) than what we're expecting, but... You know, if you know sure what, now, though?
0: If some of it pans out worse, that means some of it has to pan out better. Uh, we're, okay, we're, no, it doesn't mean that. But. <laughs> well, if, if you take the really, really it long... It could all be terrible. If
1: you take the really, really long view of things, that means that because it has been so bad for the last 10 years, maybe you we're due for uh, a bit of good luck here. I,
0: well, and you know, uh, we, we, we purposely brought in uh, polls because he brings a new vision right this guy is 36 years old uh you know he's part of this young new bumper crop uh of management that's that's uh taking their places amongst the upper echelon and uh just like with the vikings and i I think um I, i i have confidence in this guy uh to to do the right thing of course, he's not going to hit it right every time. That's just not the way it works. But um, if he if he hits it more right more than the last guy, uh, I'll be a happy guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think let's get into that a little bit more next week. So we're yeah. going to break down the defense as well.
0: So uh, thanks a lot again, fans. Uh, and I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And bear down.